The first edition of the USA Today coaches poll has come out with the volunteers ranking number 10. Too high, too low, or just about right? Your Tuesday Locked On Balls. You are Locked On Balls, your daily podcast on the Tennessee Volunteers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, good Tuesday, everybody. Welcome into it. This is Locked on Vols every single weekday, 30 minutes or less, right here on Locked on Vols YouTube channel or wherever you get your podcast. Appreciate you guys for being here. I'm Eric Kane. Thanks so much for making Locked on Vols your first listen every single day. Could, couldn't do it without you guys, you everydayers. And uh, we're going to get into some mailbag questions in segments two and three right behind uh, you know, reacting to Tennessee being ranked number 10 in the first edition of the USA Today Coaches Poll. Today's episode is brought to you in part by LinkedIn. These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business. That's why LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the right people for your team faster and for free. Go ahead and post your job for free at linkedin.com slash college. Terms and conditions do apply. All right, so Tennessee ranks number 10 in the first edition of the USA Today coaches poll for the 2023 football season. I'm going to be honest with you. Um, I don't pay attention to the coaches poll. Uh, I'm just going to be completely frank with you. I'll, I'll react to it right now because it's the first edition, but uh, coaches don't vote on this. Uh, Mike Leach and will for, forever when I reference Mike Leach, I always follow with RIP because gosh, just taken too soon. But um, I, I would assume that he voted in his coaches poll because he was a former uh, SID and he came from a small college ranks and everything. That's just kind of him. I would imagine that he votes for it. I would imagine that Eli Drinkwitz votes for his. But the majority of college football coaches, especially at the Power 5 level, don't vote on these. The SIDs vote on these or their assistants vote on the not assistant coaches, maybe the assistant in the office to the head coach or whatever. They vote on these. So I don't really take them very seriously. You know, in the first couple weeks of the season or really the first um, halfway through the season, I pay attention to the AP poll. Now, when the college football playoff rankings come out, that's what I pay attention to because at the end of the day, that's all that matters, right? Um, when you're trying to knock on the door to the college football playoffs like Tennessee was last year, and of course, Tennessee debuted at number one in the first edition of the college football playoff rankings last October, or maybe it was November, but whatever the case is, it was, it was November because it was right before that Georgia game. Whatever the case is, Tennessee does come in at number 10 in the coaches poll. Now, the coaches poll was released to, or yesterday, and I think the uh, first installment of the uh, of, of the, uh, the the media poll, the AP poll, comes out next week. But Tennessee came in at number 10. Immediate thoughts, initial thoughts, wasn't shocked whatsoever, but it was probably just a little high. And that's just for me, okay? And, and again, I, you know, I say a little high maybe by a couple spots. I expected... Tennessee to be anywhere from 13 to 16. I thought Tennessee would be a top 15 team, top 15 team, but it would be in the low to mid teens. That's kind of what I was expecting. Uh, but number 10 doesn't shock me whatsoever. I mean, look what Tennessee did last year, right? One 10 regular season games, finished on a high note with its quarterback coming into this season, Joe Milton, by beating Clemson in the Orange Bowl. That was huge. Um, despite losing, you know, Jalen Hyatt, Cedric Tillman, Darnell Wright, and of course, Hendon Hooker, you do bring back loads of experience uh, with some high expectations. So I'm not shocked whatsoever that Tennessee was ranked at number 10. Um, but I thought it might have been a, a couple slots a little too high, if you will. 
Uh, the team sandwiched around Tennessee. Number nine is Clemson. A little strange, right? Because you went ahead and lost a lot of players. And, of course, Kate Klubnick, quarterback Clemson, uh, the Tigers in that Orange Bowl victory, or that Orange Bowl loss to Tennessee. So you would think that Tennessee and Clemson should be flip-flopped a little bit. But Clemson comes in at number nine. Washington comes in at number 11. You look at the rest of the poll, one through five, Georgia at one, Michigan at two, Alabama at three, Ohio State at four, LSU at five. Of the top five teams in this coaches poll, three have grave, not grave, but three have big time quarterback questions, right? I mean, sure, um, you know, Beck is going to be the, the starter for Georgia. And I think that from a talent perspective, of course, we know that he's going to be an upgrade. But again, it's about putting it together. Sets and Bennett just won you two national championships. And along with a great offensive line play, some weapons, and an elite defense, Philadelphia Eagles. Um, but. You know, you still got to see them do it, you know, week after week, right? And so that's a quarterback question for Georgia. Michigan, you're set at quarterback with McNamara or whatever. Um, Alabama, huge quarterback question. Now, <laughs> Alabama's roster is still great, and I'm not trying to diminish that. I mean, I think the defense is going to be good. You've got good running backs. You've got good offensive line play. Receivers are better, in my opinion, than last year. But you got to have quarterback play. And if Jalen Milrow's the guy, which I don't think he will be, but if Jalen Milrow is the guy, and if he can make it click, you talk about a dynamic athlete at the quarterback position where you can do a lot of things with him. Is it going to be Ty Simpson? Ty Simpson, you know, threw it five times last year. Huge, huge question marks if it's Ty Simpson because he's so unproven. And then if it's if it's Tyler Buckner, I mean, he wasn't great. He barely played in Notre Dame. Of course, injury was was there, but I mean, he wasn't great when he did play. So again, Alabama's going back to running the football, playing elite defense, in my opinion. And that doesn't mean they're not going to win double-digit uh, double-digit games this season. I'm just saying, for the first time, there's no Jalen Hurts to Tua Tagovailoa to Mac Jones to Bryce Young. Alabama's got quarterback questions, and of course, Ohio State's got quarterback questions as well, trying to replace you know what it lost last year, which was a pretty daggone good player. Michigan set a quarterback, and of course, LSU is set a quarterback with Jaden Daniels. So again, I'm not surprised of the top five. Georgia at one, Michigan at two. Michigan deserves to be at number two, in my opinion. Back-to-back -back college football playoff appearances. They've won a whole lot of games. Beat Ohio State last year. Alabama at three, Ohio State at four, LSU at five. LSU continues to be the darling of the offseason. LSU and AM. And I'm not saying LSU's a bad team. I'm not whatsoever, but it was a great year one for for uh, for Brian Kelly in the SEC West. Made an SEC championship game appearance, right? But you lost four games. Um, Tennessee beat you like a drum on your home field. I'm not saying they shouldn't be ranked this time. I'm just saying, and I, I'm one as well. I mean, I'm, full disclosure, I voted LSU to win the West this year, okay? So I'm speaking to myself as well. Just slow the roll a little bit, right? I mean, it's the darling. It's the absolute darling of the offseason. LSU's getting a lot of praise, a whole lot of praise entering the season. So watch out for that um, as well. So anyway, um, LSU's in them, they're at number five. Southern Cal's at number six. Um, best quarterback in the country, right? Arguably, Caleb Williams. So, you know, they've got a lot of weapons there. Penn State at number seven. Is Penn State overranked? Well, you know, we'll, we'll see this year. FSU's another darling of the offseason at number eight. Clemson at nine. Tennessee at 10. Washington at 11. Texas is at number 12. Is Texas back? Notre Dame's at 13. Houston's at 14. Oregon's at 15. TCU, Kansas State, Oregon State, Oklahoma, and UNC come in from 16 to 20. UNC, of course, got great quarterback play in Drake May. Wisconsin's at 21. Ole Miss is at 22. Tulane checks in at number 23. Texas Tech at 24. And Texas A&M is at 25. For Tennessee, 
only three opponents show up in this publications, uh, of course, USA Today, and this publications coaches bowl for the top 25, Georgia, Alabama, and Texas A&M. That's pretty light compared to how many teams usually litter these polls that's on Tennessee's schedule. So Tennessee's got to make the most of it. But Tennessee coming in at number 10, I'm not shocked whatsoever, especially how you ended last year. The caveat here with the quarterback that's going to lead your team this upcoming season. So I'm not shocked. I would probably have Tennessee at like 12 or 13. But anyway, uh, it is what it is. Tennessee's a top 10 team entering the season. That's pretty cool, and it speaks to where this program is right now under Josh Heupel and everything that the 2022 team did. Now it's time to sustain if you are Josh Heupel and the Tennessee Volunteers. All right, when we come back, we've got tons of mailbag questions to get into. It's when you get to take over the show, you everydayers will get to your mailbag questions when we return. But right now, I want to tell you about LinkedIn Jobs. These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available. That's why you've got to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the right people for your team faster and for free. We have all used LinkedIn throughout our careers, putting our resumes out there online with hopes of you know just just casting that line out there if you will you guys know i love pfg right casting that line out there and seeing if you get any catches any emails any phone calls any messages saying hey we saw your resume i think you'd be a good fit here come on interview with us maybe you did that process but now you have reached where you want to be as a small business owner but you need help you can't do it alone you want people qualified to represent you and your business the right way but also people you can trust and at linkedin jobs they can find those people for you by you know, having tools like screening questions to make it easier to focus on the candidates that you think have the right skills and experience. You can prioritize them, interview them, and then ultimately hire them, right? It's why small businesses rank LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering delivering qualified hires versus its leading competitors. LinkedIn jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster and for free. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash lockedoncollege. That is linkedin.com slash lockedoncollege to post your job for free. Terms and conditions do apply. All right, guys, welcome back into it. Your Tuesday edition of Locked On Vols. We'll look forward to having Josh Ward on for a little Ward Wednesday tomorrow as fall camp continues on. Notes and everything from fall camp right here on Locked On Vols each and every day. Let's get into Twitter Tuesday mailbag edition of the show as you watch Unlocked on Vols on the YouTube channel. Please subscribe if you haven't already and wherever you listen. Download those episodes so you don't waste your cellular data. Uh, let's go to Robo22. With all this conference realignment talk, it got me wondering what would be the best scenario to make college football the best it could be. The SEC, Big 10, Big 12, ACC all get to 18 teams, play nine conference games schedule a year in and year out with the top 16, best four from each conference, make the playoff. What's your thoughts? Who should be in what conference? Yeah, that's a loaded question. Um, I think, again, kind of going on to what I said, kind of going off of what I said on yesterday's show, I think eventually football's got to break away um, because of all this conference realignment crap and um, how it just makes no sense. I mean, UCLA's playing in the Big Ten. Southern Cal's playing in the Big Ten. Missouri came to the Southeastern Conference. Again, it's not like the SEC's completely guilt-free here. It's all about money. It's all about revenue split. I understand why it's happening, but for reasons I spoke on yesterday, I mean, the student athlete is the, is the loser here. That's why no one should ever, ever condemn or criticize a student athlete for trying to go and find a better opportunity or for trying to maximize his name, image, and likeness in this era of college football. 
uh, player movements happening right now. Why? Because the grown-ups in the room can't, uh, you know, can't be more any more consumed by money themselves. And so that's just kind of what it is. You know, for me, I think football should break away. I think there should be a college football president, a commissioner. I think that the college football playoff, which is not a part of the NCAA, should go on and you should crown a champion and everything, and it should not be a part of the NCAA. That's just my opinion. Therefore, you could leave, you know, the baseballs, the volleyballs, you know, all those non-revenue sports, even basketballs for the most part, in my opinion, you know, where they are and they can be a part of the NCAA and still be regionally where your family can come and see it. But again, toothpaste is out of the bottle here with all this realignment stuff, so it's not going to happen anytime soon. Uh, for me, though... I think 16 is a really good number. We'll see if t- Tennessee, we'll see if the SEC continues to add at all. Um, you know, what does the ACC do? You know, are they going to go and get Cal and Stanford? Um, what's that look like? Um, as far as potential teams to come to the SEC, I'll say this. I think the SEC should swing for the fences here. And it would be interesting, though, because they already have their own network, you know, television deal. But you go get Notre Dame. I mean, you talk about adding to the Southeastern Conference and the pageantry of being the best there's out there. You go get Notre Dame. I'm not saying it'll happen, but that's what I would do if I was Greg Sankey. Um, It's not like it would bring a whole lot to the table, but I would love for West Virginia to be in the Southeastern Conference. Gosh, I would love it. And I would also love uh, for Carolina, for Clemson, for Duke, and for NC State to be in the SEC. That's just me. And I understand, go get Tallahassee, FSU, go get Miami, that TV market. But look at what else you're also adding if you bring those two, those those four teams in here. You're adding good football programs, but you're also adding some great basketball options as well. That's kind of what I would do. Could do a whole show on this, but I'll move on. Robe, appreciate the uh, the question there. Let's go to Jacob Hatfield. Uh, who are all the seniors for this year's offense, defense, and special teams? Um, you know, I went through here and I made a list. Uh, these guys are are guys who could leave after this year. Now, some have a f- couple of them have COVID year remaining, you know, opportunities. But, you know, who, who's to say if they're going to use those or not? But here are the seniors, and I hope I didn't leave anybody out. Here's some seniors at each position that will play this year at some point. Uh, Joe Milton, Jabari Small, Jacob Warren, McCallum Castles, John Campbell, Ollie Lane, Cooper Mays, uh, Javante Spragans, Gerald Mincy, J.J. Crawford, Romel Keaton, Brew McCoy, Danico Slaughter, Gabe Judy Lolly, Jalen McCullough, D. Williams, Warren Burrell, Kamal Haddon, Walker uh, Wesley Walker, Brandon Turnage, Keenan Peely, Aaron Beasley, Tyler Barron, Elijah Simmons, Amari Thomas, Karak Garland, Bryson Eason, Roman Harrison, and your kicker, Charles Campbell. Those guys are all seniors. Again, some of those guys could come back next year and play if they have a COVID year. Uh, Milton Cantz, uh, let's see here, McCallan Castles, Cantz, um, Jacob Warren, Cantz, let's see here. Jalen McCulloch, I don't think he can come back. But anyway, a lot of these guys can come back. But those are some of the seniors uh, to keep in mind for this year. Let's go to Sam Hargrove. I believe the O-line is key for this team. How is that unit developing? Good question here. Um, It's early in camp, okay? They've had five practices by the time I'm recording this episode. Uh, Knee pads and thigh pads have not even been put in yet, meaning they've not gone full contact, full, absolutely full go. With the offensive line, it's a developmental position to where you really need to scrimmage. You need to go 11 on 11. You need to see those pads popping. So I'm not here. To, I'm not going to sit here and say that, wow, big issues, big issues, because I don't think we're far enough along in camp right now. But I will say this. Backup center is a real question right now, and you hope it doesn't come to that. But Cooper Mays, you need to keep him healthy because the backup center is a massive question right now. At left guard, it's not decided. At right tackle, it's still very not, very much not decided. And we'll get into this uh, here in a moment about recruiting, but 
you look at who you could lose on the offensive line and defensive line next year, my goodness, the trenches is a grave concern moving forward. Um, you need these guys to develop and to, and to you know step up and be SEC players. So um, offensive line's going through it right now, and that's it's early in camp. That's that's what's supposed to happen. I'm not going to sit here and say that it's going to be a uh, an issue or a concern this year for Tennessee, but there's some big time questions that got to be answered on the offensive line. I think once you get in full pads and continue to get going, you're going to see some of those questions become answers uh, later on. So we'll see. We'll learn a lot on Thursday after the first scrimmage, but right now the offensive line is still working through it for sure. Let's go to Zachary Casey. Do you see Arian Carter becoming a starter by midseason? Um, depending on injury, I think if there's an injury, depending on where he is at that point in time, potentially he could step in. Maybe that could be Elijah Herring. But for defense, you know, you rotate so much. So for Arian Carter, say everybody's healthy. Maybe Arian Carter goes from playing 15 to 20 snaps a game to 40 to 45 snaps a game. And that's kind of on par with what Aaron Beasley and what Keenan Peely are playing as well, maybe in a three- to four-man rotation. So I think more are going to play, so maybe the snap count won't be that high. But instead of looking at it like starter or non-starter, Look at snap counts because Tennessee's going to play a lot of linebackers and Aaron Carter's going to play. Uh, the last one here for this uh, segment before we get into a lengthy segment number three, Trevor wants to know, does Tennessee run four wide receiver sets this year? We will see. Um, I think in your in your uh, response there, your question, you said, I think it'd be a shame if those four guys, meaning Ramel Keaton, Brew McCoy, Dante Thornton, and uh, Squirrel White aren't on the field at the same time. I would agree with you. But again, I continue to go back with this tempo, with the way Tennessee runs and the way Tennessee is balanced offensively with throwing the football, running the football, you have got to have a tight end on the field. And so because you have to have a tight end on the field, that does not allow you to go four wide receiver sets a lot of the time because if you stop and sub, that allows the defense to also sub. If you're going tempo and Tennessee runs a receiver or runs a tight end off and brings a receiver, the umpire will sit there on the ball and say, hold, wait a minute, wait a minute, and will allow the defense some time to sub and then he will get off the football and then let Tennessee resume his tempo. So I'm sure we'll see it a little bit this year. You saw it a smidge in 2021, but I think the you know the the the, the main personnel for Tennessee will continue to be 11 personnel with a tight end and a running back on the field at the same time. We got plenty more questions to get into, more on fall camp, some recruiting as well, some conference expansion questions whenever Texas and Oklahoma get in the conference. How does that affect baseball and basketball schedules? That, a whole lot more mailbag Twitter Tuesday right here on Lockdown Balls. All right, guys, we continue on with the mailbag edition of the show every single Tuesday right here on Lockdown Balls. Every day is when you take over the show. Let's go to Vol and Arky says, how does conference expansion with OU and Texas affect basketball and baseball scheduling? All right, so remember, those those two teams will come in for the start of the 2024 football season. They'll be there for basketball season and so on. Um, in baseball, here's how it will work. Baseball will go to no divisions. There won't be an SEC East or an SEC West. Uh, no divisions. Each of the 16 teams will play 10 three-game series to equate to 30 conference games. Every team will have two permanent opponents. You would think in baseball, Tennessee and Vanderbilt will for sure play every single year. And then that other permanent opponent, could it be Kentucky? Could it be Florida? We'll see. But every team will have two permanent opponents. Those haven't been announced yet. And then the other eight opponents will rotate annually. So um, say, for example, Tennessee, um, 10, conference, t 10 conference series a year for baseball. Tennessee would play Vanderbilt and Florida, just using those as an example. Tennessee would play Florida and Vanderbilt every single year, and then the other, 
you know, eight on the schedule rotate. You play eight this year, and then you play the other remaining the next year. So that's kind of how that would work. Uh, for basketball, essentially, this is uh, this is how it affects really just the number of SEC games they'll play. So they play eighteen right now, but it should go to twenty. Um, ACC has other leagues that went to. Uh, ACC and other leagues, I'm reading a text from somebody that I asked to, to clarify, ACC and other leagues went to 20, and it makes it harder to schedule bigger non-conference games. Just limits the non-conference schedule more than anything. Rick Barnes always wanted a round-robin conference schedule like they used to have in the Big 12, but obviously that is impossible right now. In terms of permanent opponents, we'll have to see, but right now Tennessee plays every single year uh, Kentucky, South Carolina, and Vanderbilt. Uh, that format's probably going to be subject to change, but Tennessee is going to play Kentucky every single year, regardless of what happens. So, really, in basketball, it just affects the number of games going from 18 to likely 20. A uh, good question there, Vol and Arky. Um, let's see here, Trevor, is Tennessee closer to Alabama, Georgia tier, or the rest of the SEC? I would personally put this is Trevor talking Tennessee and LSU in a tier together and label it. You need to show me a little bit more. I agree with that wholeheartedly, right? Georgia and Alabama in a tier by itself. Georgia back-to-back national champions. Alabama for what it's done the last 15 years, plus the recruiting classes it continues to stack on top of one another. I would have them in a, in a tier by themselves. LSU, which is getting all the love this offseason, ranked fifth in the coaches' poll, you know, picked by many, myself included, to win the SEC West, all that type of stuff. You know, a college football playoff team, you know, contender, if you will, it's getting a lot of love. But again, I go back to, you know, Tennessee beat the brains off of LSU last year. And I, I get it. No, not one year's correlated to the next year, but seeing what Tennessee did, but also recognizing, you know, Tennessee, that was an anomaly so far, right? Let's be honest about ourselves. Can Tennessee sustain it and win double digit games this year or win nine games this year? We'll see. That's why I agree with you. I'd have Tennessee in that you need to show me a little bit more. So I'd have Georgia and Alabama in Tier 1, Tennessee and LSU in Tier 2. In Tier 3, I would have teams like you know, Kentucky, Ole Miss. Um, Ole Miss might be in the conversation for Tier 2 as well. What it did last year, despite losing a starting quarterback that was really good and both its coordinators, it's really impressive if we're, if we're being honest here. Uh, but you know that Tier that tier three could be Kentucky, South Carolina from the east, and teams like Ole Miss and, and AM, honestly. AM should be up, to be completely honest, but I think AM would be in tier three right now, you know, kind of stuff like that. So that that's without going through every single team in the league, that's kind of how I would have at least Tennessee. But Tennessee right now is as close to that tier as it's ever been. That's why this year is so freaking important. And uh, I'm, I can't wait to see what Tennessee looks like uh, this year for sure. Let's move on now. We'll go to Braden. As a fan, where do you draw the line between hoping the SEC wins or wanting to see your rival lose? You know, people vary on this, all right? Um, if I'm not mistaken, growing up, and my dad listens to this show every single day, so he's going to call me when he hears this. He would just be like, in these big-time bowl games or these big non-conference games at the beginning of the year, he'd be like, oh, well, there's an SEC team playing. We want to root for the SEC. And so I was kind of on board with that growing up, but then as the older I'm, the older I'm getting, I'm sitting here thinking – Okay, as a fan, you're not rooting for those teams ever on any given Saturday in October, September, November, right? So why on earth would you root for those teams in bowl season or big non-conference games at the beginning of the season? To me, that makes no sense. So again, to each their own. All right. For me, I don't, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't play that game. 
you know, I don't want Alabama to ever win, right? I don't want Florida to ever win. <laughs> I don't want Georgia to ever win. So, you know, whenever they're playing in a, in a matchup elsewhere, you know, you're rooting for the other team. Now, being a part of the Southeastern Conference, technically everybody can say, hey, the SEC owns the, the NFL draft. The SEC owns the first round of the NFL draft. The SEC owns the college football playoff. And that's true. But a lot of it's Georgia, Alabama, LSU. You know, they won one as well. Or, yeah, LSU won one in 2019. I mean, a lot of that's some other teams. And so a lot of these teams, just like revenue sharing with Vanderbilt and Northwestern, Northwestern, the Big Ten, Vanderbilt, and the SEC, you tag along and you reap the benefits, right? But just for me, and again, to each their own, I don't play that SEC against everybody else. I just don't do that because I don't root for those teams on any given Saturday. That's how I view it. Anybody is open to interpret it the way that they want to. Uh, let's go to Daniel here. Got a couple more, then we'll call it quits on this show. With Tennessee's offense being so explosive, is it going to make an elite defense like 1998? Now, I, I, I see where you're going with this, and I agree with you a lot. Like the offensive line right now, point blank, talking with a bunch of people, I'm just going to be honest with you. Monday's practice for the offensive line, horrible. It was horrible, okay? Uh, spoke to a number of people. Of course, I'm only out there for 20 to you know, 23 minutes or whatever. The offensive line had a rough day, and that's okay. It's fall camp. It happens, okay? Um, you're not going to be great. You're not going to have a great day every single day. Uh, it's not the end of the world. But the offensive line had a rough day, okay? You look across the field. That defensive line, it's made up of all... You remember all those seniors I just listed out a moment ago? I mean, that's that's the defensive line. The Tyler Barons, the Dominique Baileys, the... <laughs> Uh, the, the Roman Harrisons, the Carr Garlands, I mean, all these guys that have been, Omari Thomas, you know, I can't believe I left him out. All these guys have been in the program and the development under Rodney Gardner for years. Of course, you add some more and sprinkle those in there as well. You know, they're, they're farther along in the game right now than the offensive line. So I think this defensive line is going to make this offensive line a whole lot better. Now, your question is, will the offense make the defense better? I would agree. I think so. Um... But Tennessee's defense is not going to be facing an offense like Tennessee's every single Saturday. In fact, it won't. It won't. You're not playing Ole Miss this year. It won't face an offense like Tennessee's at all this year. Okay, and so sure, you can get in better shape. You can get after the quarterback. I mean, you can still perfect your craft and and get better. But there's no Al Wilsons. There's no John Hendry. I mean, there's no big time players on this defensive football team like there was in 1998. So. Um, that's kind of how I would, that's kind of how I would say that, um, you know, Tennessee's offense beat the crap out of Tennessee's defense, you know, when Peyton was here and then that defense fall camp and night prior to the 1998 season, Tennessee's offense did not score a point in, in, in pre preseason camp. And then you score 34 at Syracuse or something. And Brent Hub says that's the biggest surprise. Uh, it, you know, one of his careers is how, just the offense got so much better from the defense. So I understand where you're coming from, but there's no Al Wilsons here. There's some good players, but there's no Al Wilsons. So it'll help them for sure. But like 98, that was an elite defense, so I don't think so. Let's go to Aaron. Um, who do you think will be the next Tennessee football wide receiver with a 1,000-yard-plus season? Will it happen every year? Will it happen this year? My money is on Keaton saying he explodes this season. Well, uh, to put it bluntly, to put it shortly, Tennessee's had back-to-back -back years with a 1,000-yard receiver in the Josh Heupel offense. Year number one, it was Cedric Tillman. Year number two was Jalen Hyatt. My money is going to say that there's going to be a 1,000-yard receiver this year as well. And as long as Josh Heupel's here and you got adequate quarterback play, I bet there's going to be a 1,000-yard receiver every single year. You know, you kind of knock on wood there. Uh, for me, make your guess, right? Pick your poison. Dante Thornton, if he stays healthy, think it could be him. Certainly could be Ramel Keaton. I'll say Brew McCoy. I think Brew McCoy is going to be the leader of the group. 
Um, but again, it's kind of pick your poison, right? There's a lot to choose from. Let's go to Seth. Is simply better recruiting what's going to take us to beat Georgia, or is there something else that has to happen? Home field should help a lot if we take care of business before then. Also, the coaches poll having us at number 10 and the AP poll coming out next Tuesday. Are they pretty similar? Yeah, I think I think Tennessee will be pretty similar in the AP poll, just like the coaches poll might not be 10. But I, again, I, I, I probably would have Tennessee around 13 or so. Uh, we're going to fill out a, a weekly uh, you know, college football top 25 right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. So I'll show you what I vote for each and every week. But um, I think they'll be similar. Might not be number 10, but I think it'll be similar. And uh, what's it going to take to beat Georgia? Well, year in and year out, you got to continue to recruit better. Georgia's done that for the last six or seven years. That's why Georgia is who Georgia is now. Um, home field advantage surely will help some this year, but I think over the you know for this year, turnovers, cash in on those turnovers, um, home field advantage, all that. You know, don't turn over yourself. I'm looking at this more in terms of getting up on that tier and, and, and recruiting to answer your question for sure. Also development. And we've seen the development from Jalen Hyatt, from Hendon Hooker, uh, from Amari Thomas with this coaching staff. Can you continue that development and recruit dudes? I think that's what's going to take you over the top. Let's go to Smokey's Blankets. Um, is it earth shattering if Tennessee goes eight and four? I feel like that's the floor this year. We used to be happy with beating one of the big three. Now people talk like it's a failure if we lose to one. Great question. I agree with you. I think eight and four this year would be a failure or would be very disappointing. Okay. Um, I think nine and three is fine. I think the expectation should be 10 wins. But if you finish with nine wins, that's fine, especially looking looking at all you lost from last year. As far as the big three, man, I understand. And again, I get it. It's a place you haven't won since 03. And I get it. Florida's dominated this series. But my God, if there's ever a year to beat Florida in the Swamp, it's this year. Go do it. I think if you lose, especially depending on how that game looks, like if you get if you lose by a couple scores... That would be very disappointing, in my opinion. But it's never a given. That's why I'm saying you can't just assume you're going to win that game because you never do. But you've got to go out and beat Florida this year, right, if you're Tennessee. So um, to your point, is it earth-shattering if Tennessee goes 8-4? and four? It shouldn't be, but I believe it would be disappointing. And I'll stay by that. If Tennessee goes 8-4, and four, I think that's disappointing. Um, and I think you would agree with me there. Wade says, are you going to have a big set like this year, a big set like last year in goal line? Uh, with going with Fant, or or if so, sorry, I can't read my own writing. All right, let me start this over. Here we go. Three, two, one. <laughs> Are they going to have a big set like last year in the goal line to go with Fant? If so, who do you think will be getting the handoffs? Good question. We'll see. You know, that Fant thing didn't happen until the Alabama game, if I'm not mistaken. Khalifa Key is a big boy. Is he ready as a true freshman to have that, you know, top of – situations, you know, goal to go, you know, five yard line or whatever, fourth and two, you know, from the 40 plus. Are you ready for that situation? What about Cam? Same thing for Cam Selden. Both those guys are bigger backs. In my opinion, Tennessee will roll with a hot hand, whoever's out there the first couple of games. But I would love to see one of those two freshmen get the football in those situations. Um, to your point about Fant, there's nobody on this team like like Princeton Fant. Cam Selden's the closest, and of course, he is a true freshman, so we'll see. My vote is for one of those true freshmen, but where are they in their development at this point in time? Last one goes to Bruce on the loose. 
where do we need to focus on recruiting? What is the area that either needs more depth or more talent? I kind of answered this earlier. It is 100% the line of scrimmage. 100% the line of scrimmage. I think Josh Hopple showed that, you know, there's a quarterback he wants. He's going to go get it. Nico, number one overall player in the on-three rankings in the class of 23. They they saw Jake Marklinger. They went and got him for the 24 class. They're going to find a quarterback. Uh, receiver's been pretty good. You've recruited edge rushers at an elite level. Now it's about developing those guys. I think you've recruited some damn good linebackers. Trench play, specifically offensive tackle. Offensive tackle, you've got to recruit better. Absolutely, offensive tackle, you have got to recruit better. So you got to develop those guys too because Tennessee could lose a lot on the offensive line heading into the 2024 season. But to answer your question, it's offensive line, specifically offensive tackles and defensive tackles. That is how I would answer that. All right, guys, appreciate you. So, so sorry for hanging on a, a couple minutes longer, but I wanted to get all these questions that you guys send in answered every single Tuesday. Mailbag edition of the show, Twitter Tuesday. No, it will not be X Tuesday. Um, shout out to, I believe it was Trevor that said that we were talking about it. Yeah, Trevor, uh, we're not going to rebrand that. Okay. We're, we're still Twitter Tuesday here with the bird. Uh, but I appreciate you guys for sending those in. It's when you guys get to take over the show every single Tuesday right here on lockdown balls. If you haven't already, please subscribe. We made a big push yesterday. Uh, we're a little over 150 left to get to 8,000. Uh, let's not wait to opening day. Let's not wait to kick off. Let's get to 8,000 subscribers on the Lockdown Balls YouTube channel. Let's do it this week, all right? That's the challenge. If you haven't already, please subscribe. Would help this show out an awful lot. We are a top 100 football podcast in America, and it's only because of you guys, your support. Thank you so much for listening. Wherever you get the podcast, we'll come back tomorrow, the award Wednesday. Tell you what I saw from Tennessee football practice. This is Lockdown Balls.